What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always. And what was supposed to be the episode over the weekend for previewing the Lakers-Nuggets Game 3 uh, instead turned into a video breakdown, which I link. I dropped the link here for you guys in the show notes. It's a video I created breaking down the Denver Nuggets Game 3. I broke down the Nuggets offense and basically how complex it is, uh, how connected this team is. I did the last one uh, on their defense. This time it was on their offense. It's I think it's about 600 views at this point, and it's only been about a day and a half. So the video is blowing up pretty quickly. Um, I'm actually pretty happy about it. The name of the video is uh, Denver Nuggets offensive complexity uh it's crazy that i even forgot the name of it um but basically it's really about game three between the lakers and the nuggets and it wasn't the entirety of the game it was just me explaining what makes the denver nuggets so difficult to defend and why they are just an unstoppable force uh especially offensively um not even talking about how well connected this team is on defense but you know just to get into this uh game three and also game two since i didn't do my talk about game two you know before game two my game one pod was me also saying the rui hachimura everyone was talking about how this was a major adjustment by the Lakers and that the Lakers are fine and that they're going to come back because they figured out the Nuggets. And I told you guys on this pod and I told friends of mine on social media and text messages that this is a mirage for anyone out there that truly believes that or believed that at one point to think that you're going to get away with putting Rui Hachimura on Jokic and have Anthony Davis as a roamer. The game was there for the taking to be honest a game two uh the, that was probably the lakers best shot out of those first two games the lakers just basically choked at the end you know it was the same thing just the same problem right just not being able to get the job done and it was just a smack in the face to darvin ham who just downplays losing right he just says oh don't worry we'll be fine trust me that's the worst just mentality or reaction to have especially when you're clearly capping on thinking it's either you're you're lying to everybody just to make everyone calm down or you really are in the belief of the belief that that you've figured something out now after watching those two games the first two I thought to myself listen the Lakers blew game one in in the way uh, in the sense of they were getting blown out, and then they made a crazy comeback, obviously because of a Denver Nuggets uh, kind of, you know, taking their foot off the gas and things like that. Uh, but the Nuggets end up coming out of that one alive after almost blowing out the Lakers. Game two comes around. It's a little more, co- it's way more competitive. Um, and then obviously the Lakers blow their chance in that one. Uh, but then game three happens, right? And this game was a Jamal Murray light up show. It was honestly Nikola Jokic's probably worst game of the series. And even then, he had 24 points. He had eight assists, a steal. (laughs) He was still nine for 19, which is almost 50% from the field. And he shot two for five from three, which is still an elite 40%. He struggled from the free throw line. It was 57%, which is four for seven. But then you look at the rest of the guys, right? Michael Porter Jr., who's been really solid. He's been very good, and he's been a problem for the Lakers all over the floor not so much from the field but from the three-point line another just elite shooting night four for ten right 40 percent 
six assists, 10 boards, which is huge, right? Very important part of his game is his ability to use his size, his length, his athleticism to grab those boards. Uh, 14 points for him. We're looking at, obviously, uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, 6 for 10 from the field. He made a lot of tough shots, and he was elite, hyper-elite from 3. 4 for 7, which is 57%. He split his free throws, but he gave you 17 points, you know? Just, you know, absolutely giving you two-way production as well with the two steals and holding his own defensively, really making it tough for whoever it is he's guarding. Um, and you're looking at Jamal Murray, obviously 15 for 29, which is 51%. I'm looking at the three point shooting, which was also hyper elite five for 11, 45% from three. Uh, he only got to the free throw. Like he only had uh, two free throw line attempts, which is strange to me, but you know, just, just shows the skill that he has with you know he's he's done this before where he scores a ton of points and doesn't get to the free throw line uh, i don't know what it is about that it could be obviously and the lakers are a big team so that does play a factor as well so a lot of his baskets are in the mid-range he's creating shots just free throw line and in and then he's pulling up for catch and shoot threes some trail threes here and there but he gives you six assists he gets you two steals 37 points right and and a solid seven rebounds for a guard this is a dude that rebounds very well and i'm impressed by the rebounding in a series where you're playing against a very big team with the lakers bruce brown who could not make a three for his life he was one for five he still gives you six for 11 from the field getting to the basket just you know doing a little bit of everything right defensively just staying productive i've talked about that all series long, all playoffs long, he gives you a great 15 points. And then Jeff Green splits one of his threes, one for two, which is more than enough that you need from him. Uh, if he can just keep the defense honest by even making one three, it's going to shift some pressure uh, for the def for the opposing defense. Two for three from the field, he gives you five points, he gets you four rebounds. So, you know, we're looking at the total rebound right? It was still won by the Lakers. Lakers had 45 rebounds to the Nuggets 39. So the Lakers did their job. I mean, this was a game that the Lakers certainly could have won. Um, but again, we see a shot chucking frenzy from LeBron three for nine from three. He does not stop shooting threes. And if you're ignoring that side of the box score and you're just looking at points, assists, rebounds, <laughs> which is the most misleading thing. I'm so tired of people messaging me, telling me, oh, but look at his numbers, 23, 12 and seven. And I'm like, guys. Yes, he got 23 points, 12 assists, 7 rebounds. That's great numbers. But watch the game. He's 4 for 7 from the free throw line. He is shot chucking from 3 and missing everything. He's 8 for 19 from the field. He's not getting to the basket often. He just looks like a shell of himself. I don't know if he's injured. Uh, he landed on Aaron Gordon's foot during that game. I broke a little bit of that down during one of those play breakdowns for Denver Nuggets' offense. Uh, but, you know, Jared Vanderbilt, pretty sure he, air he airballed a three in that game. Uh, one for four from the field. Didn't really give you much. You know, minus 10. Um, Anthony Davis, he was honestly great in this game. But, you know, just not enough. You know, not enough. Austin Reeves was phenomenal. Three for five from three, seven for 10 from the field. He gave you 23, right? So you get 23 from Reeves. You get 28 from Anthony Davis. You get a super inefficient 23 from LeBron. And, you know, the rest is just not good, right? You get D'Angelo Russell, awful. He's been awful in this series. One for eight in game three. One for six from three. 
three points in 20 minutes of basketball. Uh, Dennis Schroeder kind of disappeared in this game too, you know? I, I don't like just reading off the box score because I feel like that's something you guys can just do, but I'm kind of just just kind of painting the picture for what this kind of looked like for both teams. You know, this was a collective effort from the Nuggets. This was another just collective downfall from anyone outside of Anthony Davis, Austin Reeves, and LeBron, right? Against a team like the Nuggets, you can't just have three players producing. Rui Hachimura has been very good in this series. This was not a good game for him. Okay, it just wasn't. It just wasn't. Just He was just as aggressive, you know, picking his spots, but just things just weren't falling for him. You know, Lonnie Walker, he gave you, you know, God bless his heart, he gave you two of four from the three-point line. But, you know, aside from that, it's, it's really just inefficient nights from key guys that you're giving a lot of minutes to. You know, you get a game where where D'Angelo Russell and Schroeder don't show up and Jared Vanderbilt's not being a difference maker, essentially, it's going to be your downfall, you know, because the Nuggets are going to keep coming at you. They're going to keep running dribble handoffs with Jokic. They're going to keep having guys standing outside, spreading the floor, making the defense honest. If you collapse on Jokic, it's getting dished. If you double on Murray on those pick and rolls, it's going to get swung out and it may end up in a relocation for Jamal Murray and then he's picking it up again and then he's knocking things down. It's a very difficult team for anyone in this league to defend and they're showing it every single night in these playoffs even in their bad nights. They still look like an incredibly difficult cover and the Nuggets are just one game away, right? The game's tonight and I suspect they're just going to sweep the Lakers. People are saying, oh, this is going to go five because the Lakers aren't going to get swept. They're going to show some heart this game. I don't buy it. You know, I, I just, I don't buy it. I think that LeBron knows, right? LeBron is the smartest, if obviously one of the smartest players in the league. And he knows he's been around the block. He's been in these scenarios. Not often, right? <laughs> LeBron doesn't get swept often, but he has been in these deep runs. He knows what it's like. Uh, to time your body in terms of I need these days to rest, these days I can ramp it up and things like that. And it gets much more strict the older he gets. And we've seen the most of that this season, you know, him just picking and choosing when to attack the basket, when to chuck threes. And clearly he is just exhausted, you know, and I'm watching him even in the first quarter. He he looks exhausted. It's very strange. Um, he definitely doesn't look like he's in the, in the best of condition relative to what we've seen from him in the past. Now, that could just be wear and tear from, you know, a difficult series against the Warriors um, in terms of just, you know, running around and guarding all that three-point shooting. And obviously you get into this one where Jokic is just beating down on everybody. And it's a ton of ball movement. It's very exhausting for a defense to guard. And LeBron can't just go through the motions against a team like this because this team is not going to wait for you right? If you're down a person, four on five, they're going out in transition. If you are switching everything on defense, cool. They're just going to get the matchup they like and beat whoever it is down. The Nuggets have the answer for everything, for every defensive scheme, and it's why I think the Nuggets are just going to win the championship to end this little bit about Lakers Nuggets. I thought it would go six, and I thought the Nuggets were going to beat the Lakers in six because I just figured, you know, the Nuggets aren't going to lose at home, right? And I thought, you know, the Lakers could just win both of their home games and then just end up getting closed out on their own home floor later, right, in a game six. But I just, you know, I don't know. You know, I don't see, I definitely didn't see the Lakers getting swept 
I thought that this team was snowballing. I thought they were very connected. And I thought they did have, like, they do technically have the personnel to get it done. The problem is it's uh, it's very streaky shooting, like I said, and you're not going to beat the Nuggets if you're shooting streaky. The Lakers had, like, one great shooting night, and after that, it's just been downhill from three. Uh, the Nuggets, right? They shot 41.5% from three. That's elite, and that's going to be incredibly difficult to stop because they're also getting an incredibly elite 50% from the field as a team. So you're allowing 40% from three and you're allowing 50% from the field, you're never going to beat the Nuggets like that. Lakers, on the other hand, 31% from three, which is below league average, which is expected from a team like the Lakers, and 45% from the field, which is not good as a team. So, you know, you're getting just inefficiency all across the board, except for Anthony Davis and Austin Reeves. And it's pretty much just LeBron chucking threes until he thinks he's just going to hit enough of them to keep the Lakers in the game. And it's just taking the Lakers out of games. You know, it's wasting possessions. You can kind of hear the crowd uh, just kind of hold their breath, right? It kind of goes a little silent when LeBron takes those threes. It just hasn't been good, you know, and this is clearly the very visible decline of LeBron. I don't think LeBron wants to put his body through having to win four games in a row and then also close out a game seven in Denver. Like that's just, to me, it's an unrealistic belief. And, and I don't think LeBron wants to go through that, right? Like, and even if LeBron does get to a game seven, they're not going to close in, in Denver. Like that's just an incredibly difficult stretch of games that LeBron would have to put himself through and to also know that the intensity is going to pick up and the altitude is also a problem for at least the first quarter, which is from what you hear from most NBA players. The first quarter is the worst quarter uh, when you're playing Denver at home because of that altitude factor. And the Nuggets are going to have that crowd energy. It's just it's just a tall task. It's a big ask from a player at LeBron's stage of his career where he's showing you that he's just not having it in these games, right? He'll give you some bursts and then he'll go back to just shot chucking. And that's just how you get buried. Um, I want to move on real quick to, and I'm going to make this one incredibly short, the game three, Boston Celtics versus Miami Heat, that was yesterday. Holy shit. I mean, I'd like, this was, I, and it's crazy because... Everyone that I talked to before the game, I said, hey, I think the Celtics are going to show some life and win game three. You know, their backs are ultimately against the wall, like literally against the wall. I mean, they're inside the wall. They're not even against the wall. They're inside the wall. And it's it's win or it's a wrap, right? You're not coming back from 3-0, not with the effort they've shown, not with the, with the inefficiency they've shown, with the stagnating offense they've shown, the lack of defensive effort that they've shown, the poor coaching adjustments that we've seen time and time again throughout the playoffs, not just against the Heat. And lo and behold, right before the tip-off, I look at my fiance and I tell her, this is a wrap. This looks like a wrap. I'm looking at the eyes of Tatum, Brown, Marcus Smart, and... Horford and these guys look shook. They look like they are not ready for this game. It was the weirdest kind of vibe. And also, to put the nail in the coffin, was the fact that I'm looking at the starting lineup that Masula decided to start with. And it's the small ball lineup again. The no Rob Williams. It's a wrap. From that decision, I already figured this game is going to be a wrap. Because this only means one thing. The Celtics are going to go down shooting. And it's not going to be pretty because the Heat are going to defend very well. 
and the Heat are not going to stop coming at you offensively either. You know, especially Bam is going to be way more comfortable with no Rob Williams out there. What do we see? We see just big man play after big man play from Bam. Just some of the most amazing dunks that we've seen from Bam in these playoffs came in last night's game. Bam is just a force to be reckoned with when you're playing small ball against him. That's when he's at his best, when he doesn't have to go up against a an elite shot-blocking center, right? Like a rim protector, that is a big cancellation, right? That's how you kind of negate Bam Adebayo from being so aggressive. And Heat fans will tell me, no, he needs to be aggressive against those elite rim protectors. And I agree with that. You definitely have to show some effort, right? Like you have to be assertive. You have to be aggressive. Don't be afraid to get your shot blocked. Just get some body contact, you know, probably try to put them in foul trouble. Do something because if you're not going to challenge those rim protectors, the rim protectors are winning the game, right? Like they're going to win that battle in the paint. So not having Rob Williams out there was a disaster for the Celtics. Um, That's basically the main reason that they're able to grab so many boards. The Heat just grabbing rebound after rebound. They are not... I mean, this was a rain of threes like I've never seen before. You're watching Duncan Robinson. And it wasn't even like... Yes, the the three-point shooting was out of this world. It was insanity. It felt like like no three that was taken was going to miss. It was an incredible game from basically every single Heat player in this game. And I want to say, like, at, I think it was like a 15 to 20 point lead. And I'm starting to see Duncan Robinson blow by Jason Tatum. He's blowing by Jalen Brown. And that's when I said, this game is no doubt a wrap. Um, you do not allow Duncan Robinson to get to the rim over and over and over again. That's not, that is not what is, that's not anything that is not supposed to be allowed if Duncan Robinson's gonna kill you from three that's another conversation he should not be killing the Celtics with dribble penetration a player like that has no business in your painted area in the restricted area from the free throw line and in there is no reason that he should be there Kyle Lowry same sort of thing right he's finishing in the the mid-range kind of like fading away in that free throw area um, and it's it just it just looks like the Celtics literally just quit, you know. And I suspect, and all my suspicions have been wrong, by the way, because I've been picking the Celtics in every game. Uh, but I just think that's it, right? It's gonna be a wrap. We're gonna see Heat Nuggets in the finals, and I'm continuing to look like a hater to all my Heat friends and Heat family members and all the Heat people all around me when I say I'm still picking the Nuggets. Uh, in that series, I just, you know, the numbers are, I've, I've hung on to the numbers for a very long time against these heat picks and I've been wrong multiple times, but the nuggets are a different beast. You know, the nuggets, unlike the other teams that the heat have faced actually have a superstar center that not only will just absolutely create offense for himself, he's going to create offense for his teammates. He's also going to create a ton of mismatches, and he's going to make it very easy for the Denver Nuggets role guys to get some good looks because the Heat are very small compared to the Nuggets. Just player for player, the Heat are much smaller. And we're talking about the Heat having to hold their own with a zone defense. And remember what I was saying, a zone defense works when the shots aren't going in. Zone defense is not going to work against elite three-point shooting. 
I will say the Celtics was one of the best three-point shooting teams in the NBA all season long, and we're seeing them have some of the worst shooting nights against the Heat, but I will say this, a lot of those missed threes are wide open, so that's just them not showing up, and also part of it is the Heat just defending very well. They're peel switching when they have to. Uh, Their zone is just impenetrable by these Boston Celtics, but part of that is because the Celtics just aren't moving the ball. It's the strangest offensive strategy switch I have ever seen in my life. If you watch the Boston Celtics in the regular season, it everything was swing swing. Everything was move the ball. There was a ton of touches. They were they were like uh they were at the top somewhere in the top 10, I believe in assists. And that just tells you that this is a team that used to move the ball to get offense and here we see them in the playoffs over and over not just against the heat but it happened against the hawks it happened against uh obviously the sixers and it's happening the most against these this miami heat team they're just it's just a bunch of isolation it's it's a bad it's just a bunch of bad possessions on offense you're seeing step back threes you're seeing contested shots you're seeing people get to the basket when it's a crowded paint you're not you're seeing guys just stand around Uh, Jalen Brown and Tatum just kind of taking turns and it's just the ugliest offense I've ever seen from these Boston Celtics like it literally makes no sense to me to watch that kind of offense and let me tell you these Denver Nuggets do not play like that in any single scenario they could be down 30 and they will still spam dribble handoff they'll spam some spain pick and roll they'll spam some chase action just any any other action that that can just find some type of opening for a teammate somewhere right and then at the very least unlike the celtics the denver nuggets have the ultimate offensive weapon in nikola Jokic, who is gonna spread the floor right he's gonna make bam honest if bam has the matchup on him which we're probably gonna see and if he gets in the paint Bam is not holding his own against Nikola Jokic defensively. That's not going to happen. Bam Adebayo is going to get cooked. And the Heat are going to have to rely on heavily playing zone defense. And they're going to have to play their best zone defense of this entire postseason run to have a chance against these Denver Nuggets. What's going to kill the Heat zone defense? It's going to be the role guy's ability to knock down three-pointers when they're open when they're having them on catch and shoots when Jamal Murray is getting into his little bag in the mid-range area uh, just having that awesome shot creation that he's shown all postseason and basically his whole career Um, so you know I'm talking a lot about Jokic I'm also going to have some questions about how are the Heat going to defend one of the best zone breaking guards in the league which is Jamal Murray how do you break the zone Uh, yeah three-point shooting is one way ball movement is another and also attacking the gaps uh finding those gaps in the mid-range area will definitely break a zone and jamal murray is probably he's right he's right there right with uh with jimmy butler in terms of being able to create offense for himself from the three-point line and in so it's just I, i don't know i just see i see too many answers to the defensive schemes that the heat have right like the nuggets just have every answer possible the only way that the miami heat have a chance in a series against the nuggets is gonna be defending the three-point line 
as best as they can, even if it means letting Jokic cook. But if they can stay home on those role guys, on the Bruce Browns, on Christian Brown, on on Aaron Gordon, who's also going to be another problem size-wise for the Miami Heat, on Jamal Murray, obviously, on Michael Porter Jr., right? KCP, right? I haven't even talked about KCP. Um, You know, if they can stay home on those guys and limit their efficiency from three, and also, mind you, not only does that have to happen, the Heat also have to shoot the way they've shot in this Celtics series and in the Milwaukee Bucks series from threes. So those two things have to hold for the Miami Heat to have a chance in this series. I would still pick the Denver Nuggets. I would be disrespectful and pick the Nuggets in five. In any other universe, I would pick a sweep against the Miami Heat team. But looks like we're in a different universe that frankly just doesn't make sense. You know, the Heat are now one of the best three-point shooting teams in these playoffs um, and they're taking everyone's home court advantage. So, you know, that's another factor that I didn't even talk about against this Miami Heat in a potential finals matchup is the altitude, right? That's another plus for the Denver Nuggets, you know, and they're going to have home court advantage as well. Um, so, you know, can the Heat continue their, their, their home court advantage takedown, right? Like just them continuing to be undefeated at home while also taking away uh, the opponent's home game. I don't know, but I definitely, I would say this, with this iteration of the Miami Heat, I would pick the Nuggets in six, right? I don't think they're going to take games in Denver. Yeah, I would pick the Nuggets in six. I think that the Denver Nuggets are just too, they're just, the offense is just too exotic. It's too advanced. The size is a problem, and they just answer every question. I think that this is also going to be the ultimate coaching test for Spolstra as well, right? Because Masula, first-year coach, he's getting just outcoached to the T. Uh, Tom Thibodeau got outcoached in that series. Obviously, Mike Budenholzer got outcoached in that series. But Michael Malone, make no mistake, he is one of the best coaches in the NBA. And so is Spolstra, right? I would say Spolstra, the better coach, right? Definitely has had the more success. He's done more with less. And this is going to be the ultimate test for both of these teams, right? Denver looking for their first championship. So the crowd energy is going to be absolutely out of control. Um, And I hope that doesn't play a factor in terms of making the Denver Nuggets feel a pressure that they've never felt before because they've never been to the finals. You know, hopefully these Denver Nuggets don't feel like the job is finished because they beat their their enemy, the the Lakers, right? That booted them from that bubble uh, playoff year. And, you know, hopefully they feel like the job still isn't done, right? And they keep that same urgency playing in the finals. That's going to do it for this episode. This is the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always. And I'll catch you guys on the next one. Oh,